All right, welcome to Equal Time Soccer. We're here with Maddie Gaffney, who is Hello. has a lot more sun than us. She yes. is former Gopher soccer star and current assistant coach at University of South Dakota, one of the many fun border battles we have with Minnesota. And so, Maddie, thanks so much for being willing to talk to us. Yeah, thanks for having me in out, I guess. <laughs> you, you are, like, almost literally on the beach and I'm in a crappy little basement. So this, this dynamic is great. I like this. dynamic. <laughs> um, so first of all, I mean, you're the reason you're able to kind of just go down and you're with family right now. The reason you're, you went down there is cause we're all under kind of really restrictive, um, yes. you know, guidelines to, to try and stay safe, to try and stay healthy. So for you as a coach, I'm assuming this would normally be kind of spring season or, um, you know, recruiting and a mix of all that. So talk about kind of what the new NCAA restrictions have been like for you and kind of what would you normally be doing this time of the year versus now? How are you handling it? Yeah. So this weekend I would actually be in Las Vegas recruiting, um, at the big players showcase and which is a huge bummer, obviously, um, for us because we have gotten a lot of our, some of our freshmen we, we recruited there, um, so it was a good showcase for us to go to. So it's a bummer that we're not able to go there now. But, I mean, this has just been really crazy because no one has really ever seen this. But with the new restrictions, um, obviously a huge bummer because we would be in our 20-hour phase. We'd be with the players, um, um, really developing them on and off the field, um, seeing them essentially almost every day. So in that sense, it's a huge bummer, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. Um, you make out what you can make out of it. And um, right now, for recruiting at least, we are reconnecting, connecting with the recruits that we already have identified um, and trying to eventually get into that um get into the area of, okay, if um, this is really done and we can have you on campus after April 15th, when when might you be able to get on campus as soon as possible? So looking at that, trying to set up visits when we're able to, um, when everything hopefully passes soon. Um, and so, yeah, really connecting with recruits. And right now kind of um, – it's been a lot of managing the team, trying to figure out where they are. Are they safe? Do they have the resources to do well in school as it transitions to online for a couple of weeks? Um, and just making sure they're in a safe, a safe place for the next, next few weeks. Um, but w with that, I'll kind of uh, um, get into more of the team building when we're able to start working with them after they get back in school after this weekend. Um, so a lot of that will be just individual um, over the email. We're, we'll pick up the phone, we'll call, we'll call them, and then um, um, we'll transition to more of actual team team building and um, developing us as a team. So we'll do we'll try out the Zoom. Whatever I haven't looked at it yet, but like the Zoom. I don't even know what it is. FaceTime. I you don't sound, know. You sound, you sound like you're 50 years older than you are, Maddie. No, I, well, I'm not the greatest with technology, so yes. Um, but we'll try out that, and hopefully we're able to get the entire team in um, talking 
mm-hmm. well, to each the, other all at once. Well, and even what's, I mean, what's the stuff that players can be doing right now on their own? Like, theoretically, if everyone's only doing individual work, I mean, what kind of stuff, you know, are they using, like, the Techni app? Are they doing, like, what's the stuff that players do on their own? Are they trying to do some, are you trying to have <laughs> them do some strength stuff? Are you trying to have them do yeah, some ball so, stuff? Yeah, so, um... Our strength and conditioning coach, he sent out just stuff that they'll be able to do at home or their local gym or with whatever they they have access to. So they'll be doing a lot of that, and hopefully if they're able to to get out and work on some, some technique, all of that kind of stuff by themselves, they'll be able to go out to the field and, and do what they, what they need to work on because there are, I mean – we meet with them pretty regularly. Oh my God, I can't say that word. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, but to the point where they know what they need to be working on right. uh, individually to, to be able to see more minutes, to get more minutes, to get time in the field. So um, hopefully they're doing that um, and we'll, we'll be checking in with them on a weekly, bi-weekly basis just to see where they're at with school and just to see how they're kind of adjusting to time. Mm-hmm away from the team because I mean it's I mean I'm sure it's 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 tough as a coach obviously not being able to see them progress but I'm sure it's just as hard if not harder as an athlete not having resources to go out and do stuff um, to make the gains that we would be making if they were all if we were all in South Dakota together right well and I and you know it's 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 a tough it's a weird situation but the only solace any of us have is that all of us are going through a really weird phase yep. right now and yeah it's kind of like everyone you know the top goal for everyone is just mm-hmm. to stay safe and stay healthy until we can you know flatten the curve and it's no, like exactly. h- however long this phase of it takes it's going to be weird it's going to be silly but it's and it's going to be hard for certain for certain facets but it's like this is just it's weird for everyone and we'll all have very uh bizarre yes. frustrating stories to tell people later on in our oh. lives <laughs> yes. well and you so we'll be in textbooks someday. right exactly exactly yeah. well and to to take a to take a step back now you you've been in this role for a while so you've kind of gotten into i'm sure before this into a little bit of a routine and like uh settled into your role there as a as a full-time yeah. coach um but talk about how how that came together and how you ended up um kind of pursuing this as a profession to actually work in the game and and how did you end up finding the gig in South Dakota so um I was at a really weird stage in my life so obviously my senior spring traveled to Italy which was fantastic um but at that point I had kind of put PT which is what I originally was since I was maybe in like fourth grade wanted to go into kind of put that on hold um had some volunteer um opportunities and just realized that it that maybe wasn't for me um I wanted to be more involved more active um so I put that on hold and really last year was kind of my year to to obviously wanted to stay around the game so I got into coaching um, worked with Andy Casa, who was my coach growing up. Um, I kind of had a full-time position at Eclipse with them and then um, also had a part-time position at Bethel, which was fantastic. Um, and a great little um, um, way to kind of open, open me up to the coaching coaching aspect in, in college sports. And um, loved that and didn't honestly 
went through the year, was apply, actually applying to go to grad school, go become um, some sort of teacher, and um, and applying to other GA positions, stuff like that. And nothing was really falling into place. Um, and at that point, I was kind of, okay, I'm, I'll still coach. I'm still going to work with Bethel. I will still, um, I'll still coach with my club, but I'm just going to get a degree, a, a master's degree, and I'm just going to, teaching will be my full-time job. And um, until maybe a week later, I got a, a random call from this random Colorado number, which is Michael, the head coach's number, and um, didn't obviously didn't answer it because we don't do that. Um, but um, young and then people I got don't text. do phone calls, guys. We, we, <laughs> no, don't, we don't no. do phone calls. <laughs> no, but then I got a text from um, Steph Golan saying, "Hey." Michael Thomas is going to call you. I'm like, who's Michael Thomas? Like, who is this guy? Um, but then he left a voicemail um, for me to find out that he was the head coach of University of South Dakota, um, was looking for an assistant coach. Um, coach Golan um, referenced me and gave, gave him my number. So he reached out. I gave him a call back, and we chatted for a little bit. He's like, okay, I want you to go on apply for this position, um, went on, applied, um, uh, he, he called me, we had a phone interview maybe a couple days later, and then, uh, maybe like a week later after that, I, um, I went in for an in-person interview, a couple days after that, I got the job, um, a couple days after that, I headed down to Vermillion to start looking at places, and then maybe a week and a half, I moved down to Vermilion. So it was all, it all happened super fast. Um, the process, he needed to, to find an assistant coach. So the process happened extremely fast. Um, so kind of, I, I found myself in the, in the role. Um, there was no way that I was going to turn down an opportunity like this. Um, and so far it's been absolutely wonderful. And, and one of the, the best decisions that I have made, um, in my life other than going to the university of minnesota and playing soccer there but um when yeah did, it, what time of the year was that again when did you get it hired? Was, so all of this i moved down to vermilion in july so all of this happened um late june very late june so like right and then right away the season happened pretty much yeah pretty pretty much it was a very fast a fast little transition um so it took me quite a little bit to kind of find find a role, not find a role, because I did have a role of what I was supposed to be doing, but, um, Get find into a that rhythm. yeah, yeah, and kind of start to understand, um, the coach's language, the player's language, all of that kind of stuff, um, and just kind of what Michael wants to get out of the, the players, um, because obviously cultures are very different, um, everywhere you go, so just trying to find that, and, um, and be able to work with it. And I mean, I like to think that it's been a lot better and I've found a voice, um, have more, ha have had more of an impact on the players, um, these last few months, especially. And how, how far away is Vermillion? Like, what was that, what was that move like? Like, was that, <laughs> was that pretty dramatic? I mean, like, have you ever, you're from the Twin Cities, right? And yeah. You, and then um, you 
so what was I mean what was that like I'm looking at the map currently it looks like you're south of Sioux Falls yeah about an hour of Sioux Falls yeah um, kind of near Sioux City yeah like 40 minutes from Sioux City so close to the city is a city right um and then you're like how two far hours from Omaha right so you got so, that's like the that's like the big weekend trip is if you go yeah. down, go chill in Omaha. Yeah, oh for sure. Um yeah, it obviously like I went I went for the in person interview. I had no idea. I've never been on the University of South Dakota's campus, so I really didn't know what I was getting myself into, what it was gonna look like. Haven't even I didn't really hear of the um the town Vermilion. Right. Um so it was a little intimidating at first just because I grew up in a suburb of the Twin Cities, in a nice suburb, and then went, stayed in Minnesota, went to um, Minnesota, went, lived in went the city. All of, went all of 10 miles away for college. Yeah, no, seriously. Um, so lived in the cities for 10 years, then moved back into my parents' place for um, that little gap year in there. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a bit of a transition um, going from the big cities to a town that has Walmart as its store, Walmart and Hy-Vee as its two big stores. Um, but it was it went surprisingly. The transition went surprisingly well, and um, I I feel like I see um, now I'm like following you, but I follow a couple other people who have an affiliation with. USD and I think one of them is like Jeff Munnicky and he works for the Timberwolves but maybe he went to USD okay. or something I I feel like he's always retweeting like stuff about the athletics program mm-hmm. so I see pictures of the facilities on the campus oh the and, facilities and it actually, are top it looks awesome yeah the, the no the facilities are one to two to three years brand new I mean the the, the workout the weight room is super nice um the new arena is like probably besides the soccer field one of my favorite parts about the usd campus mm-hmm. they're re they're renovating the dome where our football team plays so um they're putting a lot of time money into our athletics and i mean it again they're fantastic facilities it well and that means a lot because i think people especially when i was first covering the gophers um and women's soccer i think you see what you see so my perception was based on like what the u invests in Mm -hmm. the program and the facilities Mm -hmm. the u has but then as i tried to dabble in the lower and i come from division i went to school at morris in division three so that's like that's the way low you know the umac is like the low low of of um athletic investment and then like the u is the top top so i didn't have a very good um perception of all the in-betweens but you realize quickly that even other division one programs or division two or whatever Mm -hmm. there's such a difference in not just like how many scholarships do they offer and Mm -hmm. how much staff do they have but also just what facilities like what's the what's the meal offering like what's the meal setup like what's the you know what's the access to academic support like Mm -hmm. there's there's like 12 or 15 or 25 different ways a school can invest in a program and so i'm sure for you like seeing that they at least invest you know seeing that a place invests is a good signal because then at least it signals maybe they also invest in staff and like support and maybe i'll like get some type of some kind of raise eventually mm-hmm. and like <laughs> all of those things yeah it's no um i'm the athletics they invest so much in the in the program it's 
and uh, athletics in general it's it's fantastic i mean looking at the facilities like i would want to i i want to work out in their weight room it's so it's so i mean they have they have punching bags in there um i I mean they have uh, even the athletic training room the like top of the line stuff that um that we had at minnesota so Mm -hmm. um i mean for for a mid-major program university of south dakota is for their facilities is very very up there Mm -hmm. well and you hinted a little bit i'm jumping around but you hinted a little bit about kind of your um you know your high school career and like where you came from you were i mean you were a really highly touted player like an all-american maddie good for you you signed (laughs) and you signed with a power five program so like the you came in, but one, you know, one thing that when I was talking to some of your teammates about things to ask you about, they mentioned that have you talk about kind of your journey to getting on the field because you didn't come in and like start, you know, even though you're like all American, I'm walking in, you didn't start from day one. So talk about kind of the um, the journey to kind of get on the field. And then eventually, you know, for three straight years, you were just an iron woman and like a, a huge part of that backline success. Um, but talk about getting there. Sure. Um one, I don't know how I was voted for an All-American. I don't know how that worked, but um, that's besides the point. It feels like forever ago. Um, I think I was pretty self-aware of where I was um, at comparative to the other freshmen coming in and the girls playing ahead of me. I knew that I, I knew that I probably shouldn't be out in the field for for extended periods of time just one I was five five and 100 pounds so going against those big 10 forwards um it it wasn't great all the time so I I was pretty self-aware of where I was at um and I I would I would see stints of playing time here and there um and get little opportunities freshman year here and there and I like to think that I took advantage of those opportunities um, and that during the fall season, I would come in no matter what, even if I knew I wasn't going to play probably the the following weekend that I was going to do as much as I can on the field during practice, help my players out in that aspect um, to, to better prepare them for the competition this, the um, that weekend. But... Um, I think is when the spring is definitely when I started to see true development. I, I mean, I put on like 20 pounds, hopefully a good weight, <laughs> um, but put on like 20 pounds. So I was able to go into tackles and stick tackles a little bit more. Um, obviously in the spring you're playing almost every day you're competing. It's super intense, really competitive. Um, so you have, you have to grind, you have to, there's no way you're not going to develop. And, um, so I think I developed one in the weight room, um, obviously on the soccer fields, a lot in the spring, we got opportunities, those five competition days in the spring where I was able to hopefully myself and, and put myself in a little bit of a better position come the fall. And, and I think I did. Um, but the summer is kind of where. I, I took that I took that spot um I mean I was I wasn't working I was in summer school and I was um pretty much going to school for three hours going straight to the weight room for an hour and a half 
them going to the fields, working on stuff either by myself or little shout out to the Oliver brothers, but they, um, they came, they worked with me, they dribbled at me, um, we did 1v1s all the time, and, um, I mean, I failed a lot going against them, and there would be days that I would literally come off the field, and I'd be in tears, because I'd be so frustrated, because I just got dribbled 10 times in a row, um, but, I think my mentality definitely was able to grow just in that. Like, okay, I was horrible the day before. I'm, I like, I can't, I can't be that bad again. Um, and then the failures happen less and less, and you started to, I started to succeed a little bit more. And then that's when the fall kind of happened. That's when preseason happened. Um, I was a lot more fit, a lot more in shape, um, able to stick through tackles, and my one v one defending was. Um, was was pretty good at that point um and I like to think that I was already a technical um player kept the ball pretty well so that kind of still continued to fall into place but um yeah I think this the spring summer leading leading into that sophomore year kind of helped me become a little bit more consistent in in the back line and um once you get those opportunities okay it's how and what am I going to do to continue getting those opportunities? And how am I going to be able to um, to even improve? How am I going to get more playing time? How am I going to help out the team even more so when I do get that um, time on the field? Yeah, it's, I, I'll apologize to listeners and viewers because I'm in a glory days for a second. I... The, I remember watching those teams in my memory of you, like if someone had asked me to describe you as a player, uh, like based on what covering the team, mm-hmm. I, I remember you, I, I think of you as that within that back line. So like you, PD, Tori and Nikki is my memory of, of you as a player. And it's funny yeah. because Nikki at that point was like, her value was that she was just such a big, strong, fast athlete. And so I remember her bombing down the wing so much as an Mm -hmm. outside back. And so then in contrast, because of that, I think of you as staying home, like as you as being more of like almost like the three of you as the back line who stays there and bombs. But the funny thing is, then I was thinking more of it. And I remember conversations with coach about um, with Steph Golan, like who's the the head coach of the Gophers. And I remember times where she would mention that, like you really are someone who likes to bomb down and you really have yeah. the skills to bomb down. It just, some of it was managing, um, managing kind of like your work rate, but then also it's the fact of if Nikki is doing that, then someone then has to, to stay home. So yeah. you really were kind of a player. And then when I found some of those tweet highlights, it was actually you like dribbling people and working up fields. And so it's funny because you really are someone who maybe mm-hmm. your game was built to be bombing down, but because Nikki was like, <laughs> a little bit more of that player and then like yeah. basically it's like well someone has to play defense it's kind of <laughs> like the idea that someone has to stay home so it's yeah. funny because you both really I think maybe were those outside backs who could do those overlapping runs and those bombs down but you just can't get beat and have your both outside <laughs> backs bombing down you know both of you yeah. can't be uh bombing down for your assists or your goals all day long yeah um I uh I mean, I growing up, I was a forward. Growing up, I played midfield, and only did I find myself in a backline position maybe my junior, senior year of club. And then, like, high school, obviously, I played forward and, and center mid the majority of the time. 
So I was a very attacking player. So and that's why I love outside back is because you can you have that ability to go to go forward. And when you're going forward, you're facing forward, obviously, and you can see the entire field, which is which is what I needed as a player. I um, I was an aware player, but not aware enough um, to be able to play in the in the middle consistently or even play with my back to goal. I like that's just that's not the player I was. Um, so that, I mean, outside back is hands on my favorite position because you can run for days and you can get forward. You can, you can be a part of the attack, but also prevent them from scoring. Yeah. And be, well, and, yeah. and when you come in at, at five, five, a hundred pounds, uh, they, they have to find a spot to put you too. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can't play, you can't do a lot of hold up play as the number nine <laughs> at uh, five, five, 100. I did get a little bit of an opportunity to play for, forward against Florida State, but I think that was just because they wanted someone to work super hard and run around and try to create havoc a little bit. Oh, my gosh. That was probably I, some of the 15 minutes. That was probably the, some of the hardest 15 minutes I've ever played. I can't so believe. shout out to forwards. I can't believe I forgot to put this on our list. I sent Maddie a list of, of stuff to talk about. There was a WPSL game where I was watching where you were playing, my perception of it is you were starting to play pretty pissed off and going going pretty hard, and <laughs> you did move up. You were on, there was very bizarre dynamics going on with yeah. the team that I won't get into. So the roster was pretty limited, but you were you were playing on, on this team in the WPSL mm-hmm. last summer, and I remember watching, and you kind of moved up, you know, to midfield, and then you were kind of playing, like, basically a, yeah. a roving 10. You were going wherever, and you were sort of like a wrecking ball. And I remember being <laughs> like, she is going to take someone out. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's how I've kind of always been, just the player who, if things go wrong, okay, what can I do? And it's sometimes it's not for the team's benefit, which um, I have to realize, okay, I need to pull back, but... I mean, I've always been that type of player. Okay, what can I do to, to, to try to get us to score? How can I create opportunities or, or I just, don't know. or just change the game? How, how do I impact game. the game? And yeah, well, and there, I mean, outside back is a fantastic position. I love it, but there's so much you can do to be able to impact the the game. Um, well, and while while we're on the topic of you, uh, your intensity. This is another. This is another thing a teammate made sure to share. Uh, you probably maybe you can guess who shared it with me, to talk about this clip from, from you on the Gophers, and I'll I'll embed it when we actually post the podcast so folks can look at it on the landing page. <clears throat> it's at Washington State. It's towards the end of the game. Um, I think it's overtime. The audio of your voice is not super clear, but lip reading is pretty easy. Um. <laughs> Your your feelings towards the ref are pretty clear in this clip, and yeah. I think I might remember covering this, but watching it was very entertaining, uh, and it felt like it was the first time I was seeing it. What do you remember you about that moment? <sighs> One, it was probably an overreaction, and I know that, um, but I mean, it was it was in double overtime. I uh, I think I kicked the ball out on her foot or something like that but the ball went over the end line off of her and the ref called a corner set pieces are won and lost on i mean the game championships are won and lost 
um, on set pieces, so I didn't want to give up a corner, give up an op- a great opportunity for a really good Washington State team. So I was pretty ticked off um, and kind of given the ref a little a little lip, um, which is not great, and I know that. Um, and I mean, I definite a definite mental lapse on my part because Tori Burnett, being the good senior captain and leader that she was. She kind of she she got into my ear and yelled at me for not being in position, which was very warranted. Um, but yeah, it was just a very, very over dramatic overreaction of something that at the end of the day it it probably didn't really matter, but in the moment it was super serious. Well, it was it was also very entertaining to watch the announcer. Yeah. It was one of the few times when the sometimes the announcing quality is not great for the Big mm-hmm. Ten games because a lot of the times it's students. Yeah. I try not to give them a hard time, but a lot of the times the student announcers are not good <laughs> and don't really follow soccer and don't really follow the teams. They're sort of just dudes ar- who are around. Yeah. But this was seemed like it was actually a pretty professional announcer no, yeah, just based I, on this clip because the guy says, Maddie Gaffney's not having any of it. You know, he like he's just fully going into it and just it was. I, don't I know. just <laughs> yeah. And I love that we were able to get that video. One of so the good. strength and conditioning interns were that he was watching the game and he recorded that that little clip and sent it to all of us. So <laughs> it was great. I'm... Well, and so so let's get into some of kind of what you've what you've learned um, while in the role. I mean, in particular, you know, we talked about the fact that South Dakota invests in the program and all those things, but there mm-hmm. are still probably a lot of differences between the Big Ten and the Summit League, which is a pretty a pretty solid mid-major um, conference. But the, mm-hmm. talk about some of those differences between kind of the Big Ten and Summit League for you. I think I think just the biggest thing or biggest difference would be um, just maybe our budget. Um, we do have, I mean, we do have a great budget and it allows us to do a lot, but it's, it's not to the point where we can go off and take a, take a plane to, North Carolina to, to watch just a practice or one game. Right. Um, so we have to be very careful with how we're using, with how we're using our budget um, and going about recruiting, especially in that way. And even just with travel trips, stuff like that. Um, we probably, ha- we might have to monitor it a little bit more um, than maybe a power five school has to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I mean, very similar to, um, the Big Ten, um, something like obviously it's a very competitive league, and anything can happen on any given day. Um, right. And I think that's I think that's what's so great about the Summit League is how competitive it, it is. And I mean, you 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 go out on game day, you don't necessarily know what's going to happen. And I and as a player, that's I mean, the coaching staff maybe would have felt a little bit different, but as a player in the Gophers, that's kind of how I felt um every single game like this game is up in the air i mean it's it's on the table anyone anyone can come come and grab it um right but i think and the it seems like one of the one of the pieces to the big 10 after the kind of couple rounds of expansion and now there's east coast teams so there's a lot Mm -hmm. of a lot of like very long trips like you know like where you're doing a ton of and even during non-conference when you're in the big 10 to you, build you that travel. good schedule, you have to do a lot yeah. of really far travel. But it seems like mm. maybe one difference in the Summit League is the footprint is actually 
fairly tight, or at least, a, can you know, all things considered, there's still a lot of different states and a lot of different mm-hmm. places, but it seems like the travel might be a little bit tighter. Like, you can actually do bus for a lot of games or all games or something. I mean, yeah. it's it feels like the footprint is more compact, mm-hmm. so maybe less of a travel impact for players and stuff. Um, a little bit. We had a little crazy travel year this year, but, um, for the most part, everything is driving distance, um, especially within the, the Summit League. Um, I mean, we even drove to Oral Roberts, which was, I don't even remember how far of a drive, but I mean, it was, it was manageable. Um, just especially traveling to like an Oral Roberts, it's hard to get there. You have a layover. There's more stuff that you have to key into. Versus if you're just sitting on a bus for seven or eight hours. I mean, you're just on a bus. Um, But yeah, so at least for our program, we're allowed two flight trips um, a year. So we used it in um, flying home from... We used it in our um, non-conference play. So we flew to Chicago. We flew home from... um, Oh my gosh, what's it called? Colorado when we were when we were there. So yes, definitely. Um mm-hmm. more driving, more driving trips. Um and every everything's relatively under five hundred miles for us. Right. Versus like the gophers, they're traveling to California. Mm-hmm. Um, they're traveling to New Jersey, Penn State, all of that kind of stuff, which we we don't really have to do. So not really sure what's harder on the body flying or driving, but um, right. at the end of the day, it's travel, and it definitely still impacts um, our players. Right. Well, and, and um, kind of recruit, you touched a little bit on the recruiting stuff. I mean, South Dakota, uh, University of South Dakota is one of many kind of border state D1 programs. You know, Minnesota has the U of M and soon possibly likely St. Thomas in a couple of years, whatever. Yeah. But the, um, but essentially for the longest time, you know, the U of M is Minnesota's only program. So a lot of Minnesota kids end up going to those like border mm-hmm. schools, even though you're not really that close to the Minnesota border physically. Yeah. I mean, actually, you know, there's all the North Dakota, South Dakota programs, a lot of Iowa programs, multiple mm-hmm. Wisconsin programs. Yeah. So a lot of kind of coaches and programs coming into Minnesota for the recruiting. For you, where have some of the hot spots been where you have to go to kind of capture some of that talent that would make sense for South Dakota? Yeah. So South Dakota is just a funny place, and you kind of hit on it, where we're not necessarily close to the Minnesota border we're probably out of all of the dakotas we're probably the furthest drive from the cities um so with that we haven't been too successful out of minnesota but i am personally hoping and kind of taking it upon myself to um to recruit more out of minnesota because i do believe that there's really good soccer in minnesota and you can get some very good players um out of minnesota um so i am um, beginning to to work more into Minnesota and, and getting out to practice and stuff like that. Um, but we're still trying to put our finger on it right now in the recruiting process to try to figure out, okay, where, where have you been most successful um, out of? We've gotten a lot of kids actually from California, which is a little, it, it's a little weird, but, um, and the California kids have been pretty successful for us. Uh, I mean, we have someone from Texas, but we do we do the majority of our recruiting from um, local states. So, right. 
Kansas, Missouri, um, Iowa, even even um, South Dakota. We we have been successful at getting the best players from South Dakota at South Dakota, which is awesome, um, and which is what we want to continue being able to do. But I think we're still trying to find our identity in that aspect. Um, but we're we're definitely starting to make um, forward moves in in that. Yeah, I suppose when yeah when we looked at the map, you heard if anything, you're you know closer to the Iowa, Nebraska, Mm -hmm. like that. You're I have noticed when I scan the roster, it's a lot of like, like you you know obviously obviously plenty of South Dakota, but you have a lot of the Nebraska Iowa kids too. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. I I just find it really interesting because I think the um yeah why like why someone chooses a certain program. I think has it been. Do you get into – I think people maybe don't care about this level of minutia, but so, like, D1 allows 14 full-time equivalent uh, mm-hmm. scholarships, but you can splice those however you want. Yeah. So I've had, I've had a bunch of conversations with, like, different players and coaches about how, you know, sometimes it does come down to, well, this person's offering me 90%, this person's offering me 95 and will someone yeah. offer me a full – Does does that matter for a lot of players, or is it, you know – like how like how much of that have you had to pick up on of oh do we do we increase five percent or ten percent oh but if we increase ten percent you know does that is that a huge part of the job especially for you guys in like a maybe not a major market so do you feel like you have to over offer or like what's the you know what's the dynamic of that I I think it kind of just depends on the recruit that we're bringing in and that we're offering um but you do your research. You do you do your research um, beforehand. You figure out. You, I mean, you talk to their their club coach. Figure out what type of kid they are. Um, what type of resources they might have at they might have or might not have at home, and that maybe offers or maybe alters it a little bit. I don't do too much of the um, scholarship aspect of right. it. Um, Michael does the majority of it, and. Um, but yeah, we, I mean... Well, and I think to, to clarify one piece you said, I think the, the thing that I had to pick up on too when I started asking coaches about this was the element that if you get, if someone is, art, you kind of hinted at like what kind of resources they have at home. The other element kind of right next to that is if they're already going to get academic scholarships or if they're going to get financial aid because of, for or mm-hmm. scholarships for some other reason, that actually then can eat up the athletic scholarship so it's kind of that's why that part of the conversation has to take place it's like oh do you have some random college fund your grandpa left you do you like you know it's kind of like Mm -hmm. does a player need the scholarship and not just like do they want the scholarship it's like Mm -hmm. is it already spoken for because of academic performance or whatever so that's another Mm -hmm. wrinkle to it too no exactly i mean there's there's a lot that ends up going into um deciding how much to to give the player but at the end of the day it's pretty much at least how we do it, it's pretty much based on um their skill and their ability and how and how we think that they will impact our team right away or further down the line um right so well and so now we'll talk about a very important topic, the star of your Instagram feed, your cat. So your I your most recent post was sort of a classic uh cat of the internet post. Yeah. You, the tension between you providing discipline to the cat mm-hmm. child, but then also just you desperately wanting your cat to love you. Can you please yes. 
Can you please speak to that dynamic, Maddie? Yeah, so uh, my cat's name is Pumpkin. Um, she She's a, a very good cat. Doesn't really cause me any problems. Um, she's not... She's not the most friendly. She's not mean by any um, by any means, but she 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 doesn't cuddle that much, which is which makes me super sad. And I really just want her to love love me. But um, I mean, she does some she does some. I'm gonna turdy. She's a turd. Yeah. She does some weird things and um, that like I should discipline her on, but I like I don't know if I should or how how much I should. Right. Because I want her to to love me and cuddle me. And really. you and presumably if you have you have to be both good cop and bad cop. You have to oh, feel, yeah. like how can you be the how can you earn that affection? Well the video yeah. the video <laughs> that accompanied this post was of pumpkin like reaching into a cup and then putting her head into a cup (laughs) just like very very standard internet cat yeah yeah for sure that i'm sure everyone deals with well but i mean the the funny thing is i actually i think people don't fully understand how bonkers and crazy the schedule and logistics of being a coach are like i i think they don't understand like how weird your schedule would be and like the amount of travel and the sporadic travel and they're i'm on the road recruiting for x Mm -hmm. days and like you know it's not like you have a work week like it's there's no like standard hours for you so having a pet is actually i did think the logistics of that are probably pretty tough and is like i have dogs and dogs dictate everything about my schedule oh yeah when i wake i have to come home from work to like feed them and walk them blah 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 Mm -hmm. and like having someone watch them is way harder than a cat where you can just like leave food and water and they'll be fine (laughs) did you like even getting a cat did you have to think about like oh what are the logistics like did you did you always want a cat or did you choose a cat because it is like more chill than a dog (laughs) i think a little bit of everything so um it's kind of a funny story how I ended up getting her, but I, I was already, I wanted an animal. I was, I'm living on my own. Um, and I want some of that. I, I was a little lonely. I wanted some company. So, um, a dog was kind of like, okay, I can't do that. It's, it's, it's too much. And like you said, it, they definitely dictate your schedule. And I mean, the other system has, it has a dog and she does, she does perfectly fine with the dog, but, um, that was a little too much for me. So, uh, I knew I wanted a cat, and uh, um, I've never had a cat. I've always been a dog person, so uh, I was super hesitant. I don't necessarily, I didn't necessarily know how to take care of a cat, um, so I wasn't, I wasn't gonna pull the trigger on, on getting one yet. And um, again, like you said, we travel a lot. I wasn't sure who's gonna wa- who was gonna watch it. Um, and then one day someone, someone came up to me and she, and she was like, well, Hey, um, so I got a little bit of an issue. I, I have, a, I found a stray cat. We have a lot of stray cats in, in Vermilion. I she was a kitten at the time. I found a stray kitten. I brought her in. I wanted to take her for my, for my own. And my roommate doesn't, doesn't like cats. She won't let me keep her. So I need to find a place for her. And, um, me responding like oh yeah like I've always wanted a cat but I, I like I haven't been able to she's like oh my gosh do you, do you want her and I'm like 
um, can I watch her for a couple days first to see how it goes? And so I took her, I took her in for a couple days and, um, I ended up obviously falling in love with her. So ended up keeping her. I, I did before I, before I decided to keep her, I reached out to our GA director of ops. She doesn't, um, she didn't travel with us. And I asked her if she'd be willing to watch her when we travel, we go out and, um, recruit and travel. And she is more than happy to do it, I hope. And, um, she did it. So it, it made the transition into getting a cat go a little smoothly or smoother. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, great, the greatest decision. She's the biggest turd. Um, but she's at the absolute best. That is for sure. I, I grew up with cats, so I'm very used to all the dynamics that come with cats. And yes. I had a coworker who similarly got a cat, but I'd never had them. And her quest, the things that she was like asking were so hilarious to me as someone who had been around cats. She was like, is this normal? Like, is that, is that right? Yeah, they're just so weird. I mean, <laughs> at like 3 a.m., um, she sleeps in, she sleeps in my bed with me, but at 3 a.m. she'll wake up and she'll like hover, she'll sit and hover over my face and breathe into my face and like sneeze and wake me up or paw, she like paws at my face to wake me up to feed her at 3 a.m. It's like, are you kidding? I, but I mean, that, that happens daily. So, um, she is, again, she's the biggest turd and she does the absolute weirdest things. I, I love this so much. I don't care if no one cares about talking about this. I, we <laughs> could talk about this conservatively for 90 minutes, Maddie. I could sit here and talk to you about your cat. The, so let's go to the Twitter questions. We asked okay. them. Yeah. These, these are, these are known. So the source of these, I will announce. So Seth okay. Galan, who was your coach with the Gophers said, what's asked, what's the biggest thing you realize now as a coach? that you wish you realized as a player? Yes. Um, I thought a lot about this. Um, but the first thing that, that comes to my mind um, and probably one of my biggest learning experiences as a coach right away is just all that goes into running a program, um, whether it be soccer, whether it be football, or whether it be softball, any anything like that. Um, there's so much time, effort, and personnel that that um, that make it make a program happen. And uh, not that I wasn't grateful um, during my four years, but I wish I had expressed more gratitude to those who directly impacted me, indirectly impacted me. Um, over the course of the four the four years, I mean, um, the lengths that my coaches, all the coaching staff went through for me individually, um, is is just it's completely mind blowing. And being on the other side of things, I I understand it. Like it's a lot of time and, and effort, and but I mean, it's obviously it's it's very much completely worth it. But I wish I expressed more gratitude to. I mean, everybody involved in the Gopher soccer program um, while I was there. So thank you if you're watching this. I appreciate you and everything you did. Um, but yes, uh, a lot goes into it. I mean, even setting up the jerseys, even, I mean, cleaning the locker rooms, um, maintenance of the field, doing what you need to do to set up for game day, stuff like that. There's so much that you don't even think about as a player. Um that you need to think about constantly as a coach. So, um, yes, thank you very much for everything. 
and that so now you just go around anytime a player complains you're like you don't get it yeah no, seriously you like, don't know they, what it takes <laughs> well they i mean they don't and <laughs> i mean they don't know so but uh yeah definitely looking back that's that's one thing i wish i i did a little bit more of well and the next the next one is let's see oh and uh, kind of similarly but from rashida rashida Beale, yeah. your, for- your former yeah. back line mate uh What's one thing you learned from your Gopher soccer career that you carried over to coaching? So something you something you bring from your playing career into uh, into your coaching work. Um, I think my competitiveness and my psychoness with fitness and working out. Um, the girl, the our our players know that I work out constantly, and and the workouts that I do aren't easy. Um, so when I run them through different um, conditioning, stuff like that, they know it's going to be tough. Um, but I definitely, I think I bring that, that competitiveness. Even sometimes I do get a jump in and play. Like they know that I'm, I'm competitive and I can be a little psycho. I, I take it back. I take it back because I don't want anyone injured. But, um, and I, and I, I like to think that they, that they pick up on it and they, they understand and they know that when Maddie's running you through something, then you need to be giving it your all no matter what. And I think that's definitely culturally that's, that's changed a little bit. And every, I, I mean, no question about work right now, which is awesome. And is it, and is there a little bit of the element of like, since you can kind of like jump in if, if you like need an extra player when you want to mm-hmm. demo something, is there kind of even a little bit of a flavor of like, listen this is like now you have the perspective of listen i would i would love to still be playing like you only get these four years and then yeah. like, and then your college career is is done and um you know like barely any of us will be will be going pro like maybe no maybe none of us will be going pro so like take advantage of the time is there some element of like a listen i yeah. would be i would kill if i could be on this team right now so you better give your all is that an element of it too oh yeah very much so and i mean it during our team building, we, we've definitely talked about like the fitness and the mentality aspect of the game. And, um, we, we do do, um, conditioning quite often. And, um, it's, um, it's making it known that, Hey, this sucks. We know, I mean, I've been through, I, I ran it and I was over a trash can right afterwards. I, like, I understand what you're going through, um, but you're going to survive and you're going to be better for it. Um, and I think they're starting to really pick up on, on that. Like, okay, like, yes, this sucks right now. Or these spring workouts are horrible, but at the end of the day, I'm becoming a better player and I'm doing this for not only myself, but I'm doing it for my team and um, to help prepare us for the following or for the next year. Well, and this, this, um, th- these questions are now starting to get, um, like either they're traps or they're softballs. So I will, we'll ask them anyway, because people put in some time. So this is from dad's gaff. Oh yes. That's, the legend. That, people need to know that's a very nice, uh, play on your handle, which is Mads gaff. So that's uh, Megan Koenig actually came up with my dad's handle. Dad's, dad's gaff, gaff, which yeah. is great. So your dad asks. Who has been your biggest inspiration, and why is it your dad? 
Yeah, that's a, that's honestly the that's such a typical at dad's gaff question to ask. Yes. Um, but I mean, hands down, it was it was my parents. I mean, they put in so much time and effort into going to all my club stuff, all my club basketball and soccer and travel basketball stuff. They made sure that I was on the best teams, the best, having the best coaches, um, just providing me with the absolute best opportunities. Um, And then just being there for me in college, because obviously college soccer is not easy. Um, And there was a lot of mental and emotional breakdowns throughout the process, but they were constantly um, there supporting me, um, kind of especially my dad, just bringing me back into perspective on everything. Um, Cause I, I, he went through, he, he ran cross country and track and in college. So he, he knows that aspect of the things and like, Hey, um, you get through it. You'll learn. Um, this is only temporary. It's, it's going to pass. Um, put your head down and continue working. So yeah, I mean, my parents hands down, um, they gave me so much growing up, um, especially with with sport. Mm-hmm. Well, in this, we'll use this moment. I will also give just a broader shout out to player parents, all all the parents of yeah. the, of the Gopher yeah. team and the other teams I cover. They are almost literally the only reason the website exists because they are definitely the ones who read and follow and support <laughs> oh, yeah. and financially support the site. So mm-hmm. huge shout out to all the goofy dads and moms who are <laughs> so awesome and uh, retweet our stuff. So huge shout out. This is now this is a trap. This one mm-hmm. is a trap, Maddie. This next one. This is from Tori Burnett. The another center back you played with who says, Who was your favorite center back to play with? And then eyes emoji. So she's <laughs> watching. And I will say, Rashida replied with, Well, it's not you, so. <laughs> so I we know yeah. this is a trap, but I mm-hmm. would appreciate you attempting to answer this question just for Tori and Rashida's sake. Sure. And also, and also, they're not even allowing space for Emily Peterson in this conversation, which is disrespectful as well. So, Petey, Petey, know that I spoke up for you. <laughs> that will go in the textbook. Um, that's a very hard question to answer, and um, I'm not going to answer it. But I, because I, I loved playing next to all of the center backs and with all of the center backs that I played with. Even Becca, I mean, Becca Roberts, my freshman year, she was a big senior that was really intimidating. But, I mean, um, she was a great leader. She she told me what needed to be done in, in a great way. And, um, I mean, just a very consistent player. And that's very similar to, like, playing with the PD. Very consistent. Always, I mean, with all the center backs, you always knew they were going to be there. But PD was very consistent. Um um, very direct, communicated very well. Um, and then Rashida and Tori were, were very similar in a way where, um, very direct, um, and, um, (laughs) they, they told you what, what needed to be done, no matter, like, no matter the tone. And, and that, that was fine. I worked well with that. Um, and I appreciated that because it got, it got the stuff done. Um, but they, again, we're always there. And I mean, Rashida, you always knew it was going to get, 
get to the ball because she was so flipping fast. It's not even fair. Um, and Tori, you always knew that she was going to win every single header, which isn't fair either because I'm 5'5 five five and she is 5'8 or 5'9. It's not fair. Um, but honestly, all of the gopher soccer players, all the gopher center backs, I mean, very different um, set of skills, set of traits and um, personality wise, but all very fun to play next to and with you yeah you had you had kind of a hell of a uh back line that era was it's just like super notable i mean like the i mean maybe maybe i'm like glamorizing an era that just because i was there but like the just the group you just mentioned is like pretty ridiculous i mean like yeah all, all three of them are basically all big 10 if not mm-hmm. you know you know all american i mean rashida yeah. was an all-american and the other two you know, PD and Tori actually probably both were went really underrated by oh, like yeah, awards sure. award season wise. Yes. But I think folks who actually watch the game or even other coaches in the Big Ten, you I think, saw. understand that yeah. they were just such ridiculously quality mm-hmm. players. I yeah, even scrolling the the tweets from back then, I was like, I was I was just like all the memories and feelings. I had so many feelings. I know. I mean, I I mean the back line was a fantastic little line to play on I I mean I enjoyed it I enjoyed all of the people that that um played on it with me and I mean even on like days where we weren't supposed to succeed during practice like the offense was numbers up we only had two players versus six we would I mean we would do absolutely everything that we could to to prevent them from from scoring or doing whatever i mean that was just the mentality that we had we would always win we'll do whatever we can to win which is i mean a a fantastic mentality to have as a backline unit everybody shared that mentality which is great well and let's let's close by learning a little bit and talking a little bit about um your team at south dakota i mean obviously right now it's a bizarre time where you know the team isn't necessarily together and um, you know, we're in between seasons. So like your, you know, your new recruits for the fall haven't shown up. So you haven't had them on the field, but just for folks who haven't watched before or for folks who haven't watched the summit league and don't have good context. I mean, talk a little bit about, um, how, how South Dakota, how you want to play and like what you're excited about for the team for the fall. So, so that, uh, people like me can throw a stream up once in a while and watch the, the coyotes. Yeah. Um, we stream, we free stream home games. So, um, I'm really excited for the 2020 season. Um, we we definitely lost a, a big influential group of seniors, but I mean, what team really hasn't? Um, but I mean, for the time that we had with the players this spring, has been, I mean, great. I mean, all of them are very bought in very driven um we've had and we normally would play on like a little strip of turf so we do a lot of small sided um in the dome but since the weather has been so great we've been able to get out in that field outside so we've been able to get bigger and actually do the concepts um and teach the concepts to the entire team um so i mean very excited um for the players I'm excited to see, I, I'm hoping that we're able to, to go back and train them for three or four weeks. Um, if classes don't go online for the rest of the semester and, um, 
but I, I'm also very, I mean, I'm very curious to see who puts in the, who continues to put in the work, especially during this time, because it's such a weird time. And I mean, anything can happen, um, especially when you're not playing with a, an entire team. Right, um, like who's who makes the individual choices, kind of day in day exactly. out, and just like exactly. continue growing their game. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see who who does it. Whether, I mean, it's for the next two weeks, um, who continues individually growing, or um, for the next, I don't even know, four months until preseason starts. So, I mean, it's a great opportunity for all of the athletes, no matter where they fall, um, playing time and not. It's it's a great opportunity for them to truly, truly develop. And well, and if if everything you know, if everything goes well, like on a perfect day, if the team is like in, you know installing all the concepts, playing the right way, mm-hmm. what does it look? You know, what does that that style of play look like for for the program? Like, what's the if you if you close out a game and you guys win like three zero and everything went perfect. Mm-hmm. What was the kind of the style you were trying to implement that actually kind of um, what does it look like when it's mm-hmm. when it's at its best? Um, we're very known for our shape and how good our shape is from the forwards to the back line. So usually, if we're winning games three zero, um, we have really good shape. Um, we pick the ball off and in, in midfield, connect a couple passes. Um, play it out wide and we're very much so wide attacking team um crossing and finishing so we probably scored on um some crosses and finishes that's yeah that's i mean that's a i love um i I love hearing about teams that are like really trying to instill a little bit of of shape and possession because Mm -hmm. it's it's crazy how many teams you still see that essentially are are playing for lack of a better phrase like soccer 1.0 like there there actually is still a lot of division one soccer where teams Mm -hmm. essentially are just big strong kick it far run and kick hard like it's they're like i remember talking to some some parents and they said when their their daughters were getting recruited there was coaches where you could tell like they either wouldn't talk about tactics a lot and then you got mm-hmm. the sense that they sort of just kick and ran or they would openly say like we like to play direct yeah. and, and it'd be like Whoa. so it's yeah. like even actually Washington State we were joking about they actually kind of are the really good version of that style where they're just like physic- so physical physical and they they just run hard kick hard yes. like they they're sort of I mean, they're very successful winning wise, mm-hmm. but their their style is actually kind of that brute, simple, yeah, just whatever. <laughs> I mean, and I mean, sometimes that that way. It, I mean, it, it works for teams, and um, I mean, Washington State obviously it works well. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that's bringing it back to the recruiting part of it. Okay, then we need to recruit players who right. can do X, Y, or Z. Right. Um, well. Well, this is this was so great. Thanks for taking the time. You have like a much sunnier uh, world to go out to now. So the down in Florida, but Maddie, this was great catching up. Um, and folks should check out the you said the game stream online. And yeah, um, I see you know regular updates on social media. So follow <laughs> the the coyotes. I think it's something like coyote soccer or something on the handles. If you search South Dakota coyotes, I'm sure you'll find it. Um. So folks should follow the program, and um, we will look forward to more updates about Pumpkin as well, cat updates. Those are, those are most important.